everyone, it is Stephanie Postles, the host of Up Next in Commerce. Before we get into our latest interview with another e-commerce leader, I wanted to let you know that the Up Next in Commerce podcast is now available for sponsorship for the first time ever. By partnering with us, your company will be connected to interviews with the most compelling founders, CEOs, VPs, and digital leaders in the world of commerce today. You have nothing to gain but thousands of followers and millions of impressions each and every month. Reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to see how your business can benefit from partnering with our team at Up Next in Commerce. Welcome to Up Next in Commerce, the show that takes you to the front lines of what's happening in digital, retail, and beyond, with conversations from fast-growing startups to the Fortune 500 and everything in between. You'll get a glimpse into what's next. I'm your host, Stephanie Postles, the co-founder and CEO of mission.org, and I'll be your guide through all the trends, innovations, and hot topics in the world of commerce. It could be very unsettling to think that you wanna do one thing as a career and then discover that that desire isn't what you actually want at all. On today's episode, Brian Seawald shares with me how he was initially set on one career path, but ended up finding a different passion in retail. Now he's the SVP of e-commerce at Express, and really values his work, which is bringing the company to the forefront of the digital landscape. Brian's journey offers a powerful lesson about being willing to reset our original expectations and with a spirit of oneness. Plus his work today is a shining example in the world of e-commerce. Enjoy the episode with Brian Seawald. What are business leaders thinking about when they aren't winning at business? Family, travel, the latest TV show? Yes, yes, and maybe. But how about quirky business opportunities or little discussed financial trends or maybe even plant medicine benefits and alternative wellness? Mission Daily is back, baby, and our flagship podcast is better than ever. Mission Daily is the podcast for the business builder, the thoughtful marketer, the team manager, the blue-collar worker looking for new ways to think about life, finances, and health. This is for the people who want to break the status quo and laugh a little or a lot along the way. Join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we address the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't often talk about. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah. So I was looking through your background and you have a specialty, it seems, in the world of commerce and especially like fashion. I saw you at places like DSW and The Limited and now at Express. And I want to hear about your journey and you know how you got interested in this world. Absolutely. It's kind of an interesting story. And I think it's how a lot of people get into retail. So if it's okay, I'll, I'll actually go back all the way to the beginning. Um, yeah, go back to childhood. Who was Brian as a kid? <laughs> maybe not that far back, but so I was at Penn State. I am a huge, huge Nittany Lion fan and I was a finance major. I was 100% sure that I wanted to be in investment banking. I mean, I knew it from freshman year forward, that's what I wanted to do or stock brokerage or something like that. And I interned with Merrill Lynch and I had the most amazing boss um, and a great experience, but realized I didn't love the work. And I had this sort of crisis where I was like, what, what am I going to do when I grow up? And I started going to information sessions and interviewing around. And I interviewed with, at the time, 
uh, Kaufman's Department Stores, which was May Company, which ultimately became part of Macy's. And the, the idea was I would go through this training program and you'd be exposed to all parts of running a business and you'd become an assistant buyer and you'd get to like touch everything. So advertising and business planning and pricing uh, and also like how the goods get to the floor. Like this is pre-e-commerce, by the way. So like all the things. And I was like, oh, it's like I get to run my own business, but there's no risk. Like I, I'm not putting myself out there. It's not my money. And I loved the versatility of the role. Um, and so I did that. I, I went through their executive training program. It was amazing. So that was, oh Lord, 28 years ago now. And I've been in, re- I've been in love with retail ever since. I can't think of another business where every day the customer gives you a grade and then every day you're able to do something about it. And when the customer doesn't like something, they speak very loudly through their buying patterns. And so spent the first, I don't know, 10 to 12 years of my career in merchandising and planning roles. And then when I was with The Limited, um, I was lucky enough to, to be thrust into the e-commerce world, thinking because I shopped online that I knew everything and that it was going to be easy. And it's such a, a complex world. And what I love is it changes every day. Um, every day I can do something different. My team can do something different to, to impact our customer and our business and do things a little bit better. And I just can't think of anything besides digital that allows you to do that. And, and the community, this goes back to like 2009, 10, 11, the community, I didn't know anything. So like vendors would take me out and teach me things. The people that worked for me were teaching me e-commerce. I was going to conferences where everybody was talking about all things digital. And that back then we were all trying to figure it out. So people were like literally getting up on stage and telling you the secrets of how they drove their business. We don't do that as much now. Since then, I have been in love with the space. Um, And my career's taken a few twists and turns since then. I've stayed attached to digital the whole time, but I've also done stints in technology, in stores. And so I've gotten to run the whole gamut. And here at Express, I'm back squarely in digital, which is where my heart is and what I love the most. And I still love it for all the same reasons. Uh, And every day we talk about our sales and our business and our trends. And just like I said, we just try to do it a little bit better than we did it the day before. Yeah, that's great. So you've been at Express Down for about two years, right? Almost three years. Almost three years. Okay. I was like, that's an interesting time period to start seeing now what Express is doing. I mean, it seems like there's been this big pivot from, you know, being this mall-based retailer. Everyone, you know, was normally going into malls and buying their clothing there to then pivoting to this like fashion first omni-channel brand has a mission. And you're like, joining right at this time period. Is that kind of what brought you there or were there other aspects? Yeah, I think what brought me there was a couple things. One, Express is a once iconic brand that had a couple difficult years. Uh, and so there was a, a whole new leadership team coming in. Some people I knew and some people that I didn't, but there was a lot of buzz around this new leadership team and what the potential was of the brand. And in my mind, I mean, how many times in your life do you get to be part of turning around a brand? Not many. Uh, and with the team that, that I got to meet and am and so privileged to get to work with now, it was just an opportunity. There was no way I could pass it up. Uh, and, and they have a heavy focus on digital and an openness to it. Uh, and, and I just believed in, in the brand purpose uh, and what we're trying to do. Uh, and, so, and what that is, is um, we create confidence and we inspire self-expression. And where that comes from is, and I agree with this 100%, it's not easy to get dressed in the morning. I mean, we have work events now where we're all like, ooh, what are you going to wear to that? Yeah. And we work here. 
in fashion. And if we can't figure it out, then it's hard for everybody else to figure it out too. Um, and so we really view our job and, and especially I think what my team and I talk about is how do we give people more confidence to put something in their bag, to add to cart, to ultimately click buy? How will they know that it's going to fit or how it might feel or what the fabric really looks like close up or how they can outfit it and how versatile it is? These are the questions that we ask ourselves all the time. And to have the chance to come here and help, help the brand do this, it was just something that felt like it was going to be amazing to me. Now, I did not know at the time, six weeks after I started, the whole world was going to shut down. So that was an interesting experience because I think one, one thing that we pride ourselves on as a brand is we do really amazing things if you want to go to the office or go out or go to a special occasion. And then the coronavirus started and it's like, well, that's the only thing people aren't doing is going to the office and going out and going to special occasions. It was challenging for sure. And for a while, our e-commerce channel was the only channel that was running, but we weren't seeing what other brands were seeing in terms of that huge explosion of e-commerce because, I mean, quite honestly, try selling a suit back then or a dress. Uh, it wasn't easy. But then as the pandemic started to take, you know, I never say, we, we never really left the pandemic, but as it started to go through its different stages and the world started to open up again, you could literally feel the momentum behind our brand changing and people wanting to go out and people wanting to get dressed again, which was super cool. And I think the most fun part about all of that is as a result of that increased relevancy, and we talked about this um, coming out of the last quarter, we've been able to pull back on promotions. And so what does that mean for us digitally? It means that suddenly I get to talk to the customer about fashion. I get to talk about how to outfit. I get to talk about versatility. I get to talk about how to make you more confident. Like I get to talk about the cool stuff now. And we don't have to talk about percent off this, percent off that. Now, we still do promote and we still do want to give value to our customers. But I think we get to be a little bit more, um, maybe more offensive in our promotional strategy now rather than defensive and more choosy. And that's a really great place for our brand to evolve. Yeah, that's great. Are there any merchandising trends and product trends that you're seeing now from your customers? Like I'm sure it kind of went into this comfortable state, but still looking cute. And then is it kind of, changing again or is it still in that same place? Yeah. I mean, what I would say about that is our dressier categories have definitely been, been strong. Um, and we've seen a little bit of distorted strength there. Suits in men's, dress shirts in men's, dresses and jackets in women's, things to go out in, quite honestly. I think, you know, during graduation season, prom season, summer weddings, I think everybody has heard this stat a million times, but it's going to be the most weddings in a year since 1984, I think, um, October 8th is the biggest wedding day in like 40 years or something. And I know that because there's a person on my team getting married that day. And so that is a big deal for us. One thing I will point out, though, is we don't necessarily delineate between looking cool and looking comfortable. One of our designers says it best, and I butcher it every time. I'm going to try and get it right. He says, it's not our job to give you something comfortable. It's our job to give you something comfortable that's cool. Mm -hmm. um, and I, when I hear him say that, he's like the coolest man ever. Um, and every time I hear him say that, I get kind of inspired by it because I think you can wear a suit, one of our suits as a guy and look awesome and be ridiculously comfortable. And I think uh, our women's stuff does the same thing. Like our denim fabrics are, are just beautiful. They're delicious. That's how our chief merchant describes them. I think we're onto something there. Like we want to do both. We want to look good, but you also want to feel good. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea of as a brand kind of pushing 
or not allowing customers to maybe drive you in a direction that you know you don't believe in where you're like hey actually fashion first and being focused on that and comfortable like that's why we're even here and not letting customers push you to a place you know that's not even supportive of the express brand so i want to hear a bit about the like your retail strategy i saw in your most recent reports around you know, closing retail locations down, reevaluating the strategy behind how to make them more efficient. And then, of course, you've got your billion dollar e-commerce goal by 2024. So I want to hear, like, what does that look like behind the scenes when thinking about retail? Because I hear such mixed opinions on the show, but half the people are super bullish on retail, especially some of these D2C companies where, you know, they kind of grew up in this world of relying on Facebook ads and, you know, digital ads and then saying, oh, wow, now retail, it's a really good time to get in and have access to that customer in a way that they never really had had versus other brands are like, "Mm, we're going to pull back a bit and actually lean more into commerce. What is your guys view on like the future of retail? I mean, quite honestly, we and and, and I want to make sure when you say retail and you mean stores and when you say commerce, you mean e-commerce. Okay, great. Just I'm sure I'm answering correctly. So I am bullish on both of those things. Mm-hmm. And when I think about our role as the e-commerce team, I don't know what the exact percentage is, but you know, 85% of our customers are likely shopping our site and then ultimately are going to convert in a brick and mortar location. And a big, huge part of our job is to give you this amazing experience so that when you go to the store, you're predisposed to buy something because you love it already and you know what you want. We don't succeed if we're just stores. We do not succeed if we're just e-commerce. Not only do we have to have both, but they have to work beautifully together. Uh, And so if you look at our overall digital strategy, which I'm sure we'll get into, um, we do have this idea of seamless omni-channel execution, which everybody says, but what it means to us is, I think, two different things. One, obviously, you have to have the whole buy online, pick up and store experience. Um, We've released over the last month some significant enhancements to that so that you can now shop your favorite store very specifically from wherever you are. So you can just filter our whole web experience by your favorite store location. You can then filter at the size level. And basically, you're shopping really effectively from your couch or a coffee shop or wherever you may be. And now we have availability messaging on our site too, so that even if you're just browsing, you're going to know what's available in the store nearest you um, or what you've identified as your favorite store. We think those are awesome enhancements in terms of giving our customer just options. How do you want to shop today? Sometimes you might buy online. Sometimes you might buy in-store. We're just going to make it super easy for you no matter what, and ideally not make you think too much about it. So we do feel like that's a big component of Omnichannel. And the other is just mobile in general. How hard can we make mobile work when you're in our store? So we love our mobile app. It's been growing. uh, And because it's where our most loyal customers shop, it grows faster um, than our base e-commerce business does. We're really proud of that. Um, But we want to keep pushing the envelope in terms of how you use that as part of your in-store experience. Um, You know, barcode scanning so you can see ratings and reviews or how a product fits or get close, real close up on the fabric. All of our product pages have outfitting and user-generated content. So this is sort of my ideal experience is I've walked into a store, I find it on my love, and I'm like, oh, I'm not exactly sure how I'd outfit that. So I pull out my phone, I barcode scan it, and up comes that product page. And right there, I see like six photos of you know influencers and or customers and how they outfitted that. Mm-hmm. And then I can scroll down and I see um, through another offering that we have three different outfits. Uh, and how it's being worn and how I might style it. And then I'm like, oh, now I feel like I can wear it because I saw this other person wearing it. 
I know how to outfit it and I have a couple of those things at home or I'm going to get those while I'm in the store here too. That's the perfect scenario. Suddenly I have more confidence in purchasing. And I think that to me is where we are now from an omni-channel perspective and we want to just keep pushing that. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it, just hearing about like the efficiencies, that seems like what the consumer wants now. How can I shop more efficiently instead of just browsing? Like you said, how can I see someone who's wearing this before? How can I see it online and then have it waiting for me when I get to the store? And just, yeah, everything these days seems to be like how to efficiently shop instead of just kind of meandering. Yeah, we, we are in love with the idea of amplifying user-generated content. Um, and I think it's somewhere around half the items on our site now, you're going to find photos of other people wearing the clothes. Um, and I, I find um, we know with, with certainty that people that see that convert better. And of course they do. Um, why wouldn't you? Uh, because it's one thing to see it on a mannequin. Like I always buy things when I see the looks on mannequins and I get home and I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> yeah. not the same thing at all. Yeah. And when I see other people um, who may be, you know, I'm vertically challenged. I'm a little shorter than the average guy. So I can see somebody like me wearing the same suit. And I'll be like, okay, that will work. That is going to look good on me. Um, instead of just seeing it in an environment where it's only one way. The more inclusive we can be, the more alternate sizes we can show. We have an initiative right now where in women specifically, we're going to test it in men too, in our most fit critical categories. So dresses, denim, dress pants, showing multiple uh, model sizes so that you can see a variety of body types and how something might fit. Again, why do we do that? It goes back to the brand mission about creating confidence um, because then you're going to be more confident in ultimately buying it and knowing you're going to look good in it. Yeah. For the mobile app piece, what pieces did you build with that? Or maybe features did you have that you thought were going to work? And then it was kind of like, oh, that was actually a failure. And what pieces maybe worked better than expected? Because a mobile app is such a tricky thing for, I think, a brand to build. I mean, it can either just completely flop or actually do the things that it's built for. But I want to hear some of the learnings, you know, as you all were going about building it out. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to give all the credit in the world to the person that leads our user experience team, because when he started, one of the first things he did was he did like a chart basically that was like, here's all the features that we have on our web experience. And here are the features that we have in our mobile app experience. And they're not the same. Um, we were not being consistent in our approach. So what wasn't working was that lack of consistency. And customers should never have to feel like they're having different experiences. Consistency is key, even when you think about like the in-store experience versus the digital experience. And so the first thing we did was identify, and it was a long, long list, and we created this, this project we called Parity. And it was basically to build the mobile app up to have all the features that exist on our site. In terms of what works best in the app, beyond all things, the app is for our most loyal customers. I don't have a ton of retailer apps, but you know who I do have? The places I shop the most. Um, and so our app is really built around our loyalty experience. And when we relaunched loyalty back in 2021, we did that with the app as a centerpiece to all of that. Um, and so it's the best way to experience our insider program. That is probably the thing that we're the happiest with in terms of the app experience. It's hard for me to point out things that really don't work well in the app. Well, you kind of did with the parody piece. That was a good example of like, make sure the experience matches everywhere. That's a good lesson. hundred percent. And if anything, we have to keep going with that. There are still things that we have available on our mobile web experience that don't exist yet on our mobile app experience. And, and the other thing I think we're trying to do so much of is every conversation we have lead with mobile. Every design session we have, look at mobile. Even when we review 
we have this this concept. We do these floor set walkthroughs, right? So we want to see what the new all the new merchandise is going to look like. We walk through a mock store. Of course we do. I think every retailer does that. We do the same thing digitally. Um, and so we will look at, you know, what does all the creative, uh, we have a very brilliant creative team and like, what did they create for this new, new launch? What does it look like? It's always one of my favorite meetings because you get to see a whole lot of new creative all at once. But our digital walkthroughs now are all done on our phones. So literally they'll send out a link and you'll sit there looking at it on your phone while we're typically we're on a Zoom. We've really come a long way in terms of making sure everything is mobile first in our approach. It's over 80% of our traffic now is mobile. Um, if you combine the app and our mobile web experience, it doesn't mean that we don't think about desktop because desktop is still a major conversion vehicle, but it's a battle every day to make sure when you're looking at something that you're thinking about the mobile form factor first. Yeah. I love the idea of doing that internally. I mean, I haven't, I'm sure other brands do that as well, but that is a really unique piece to be like, you're going to look at it on the phone. Don't get on desktop, see what the product looks like on there. See if you resonate it, you know, with it on a small screen seems like a good way to instill that mindset, you know, throughout the entire company. Yeah. And I, I will say I'm, I'm at the place now where I like our mobile experiences better. Um, I think I just am more used to them at this point. Um, and I look at a lot of websites and I feel like a lot, you can tell that they did it mobile first and desktop maybe doesn't look quite as clean and that's okay. I don't think it ever obviously gets to hundred percent because people will always be shopping in the office. Um, but I, I think mobile is is has got to hit into the high 80s or 90s soon. Hey there, are you enjoying the show so far? Well, imagine your company's advertising placed right in this very spot during a future interview with another elite e-commerce mind. Imagine your messaging and logo directly connected to the industry's most prominent innovators and thought leaders, distributed across every major podcast platform and social network. Yeah, well, it's time to stop imagining. Learn how you can partner with Upnext in Commerce and sponsor this very show. Reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org and let's have a conversation. I want to hear, I mean, we've touched on community a bit and UGC a bit, but I want to hear about this um, express community where you have, you know, stylists or aspiring stylists who are creating their own looks, which when I was reading about it, I'm like, that's super smart. That seems like the way of the future, just letting, you know, people who support the brand well express the brand and actually build their collections. But I want to hear about that concept. um, And if you could explain it a little better than I did. And yeah, the mindset behind it. Sure thing. And actually, you said it beautifully. And I'm going to remember oh, okay. what you said <laughs> and reuse it probably. Um, but it was born from exactly that. The idea that we have these people that are passionate about our brand. We already had an influencer program and actually a really, really amazing one. We were influencer marketer of the year or something like that um, back in 2020 and I think 2021 as well. Like They've done an amazing job, but we were like, well, what else can we do? There's all these other people that are passionate about our brand. Maybe they're not full level influencers, but maybe they they also would be interested in sort of not just being a part of our brand as customers, but helping to build our brand. That was sort of the thought process and how, how community commerce was born. I think the best part of it all has been the actual community that has sprung to life around that. So we have a Facebook group, a private Facebook group for these folks. Um, we've done incentives. Um, we, we brought on Rachel Zoe as our lead style editor. Uh, and we've done some events with her that are incredible in this outpouring of love for fashion, for the Express brand, for the idea of helping style other people and give them confidence. And so I, I was lucky enough to attend one of these events and sort of organically watch community just come to life right in front of you. 
Um, so like we had eight style editors who were all together in LA for an event and watching them come together, they'd never known each other and discuss styling ideas and how to work with customers and different ways to use the te technology they've created and how we might improve that technology, which of course we need to always improve. It was awesome. And so now I think what we're just trying to figure out is, well, how do we continue to further amplify this? How can we continue to keep bringing it to life? How do we bring it into our field organization and our stores? Um, we have done a lot of style editor events in stores where they will come to a store, they'll announce it on social, people will come to be styled, but then customers that are just shopping also have the opportunity to meet these style editors and be styled. So it's not a uniquely digital thing anymore. Um, it's become something where we want to have it in every part of our experience. And that I'm extremely excited about because I think that idea of an in-store styling experience, then creating a longer term digital relationship that will continue to you know, bring customers in for life, that seems really, really possible for us. Still early days, um, but the program we love. And you know, I always say like every e-commerce or retailer is trying different things. Resale is really hot. Um, people are talking about the metaverse. People are, some people are getting into NFTs and, and everyone is trying different things. I'm really proud of Express and our leadership team because we, we made our stake in the ground around community, around creating confidence and inspiring self-expression. And I always say like, if we all threw our strategies into the middle of the room, I'd go back in and pull community back out again because I think it's right for us. And I think the trick for us now is sticking with it and making sure that the things that we do ladder up to that um, and we don't accidentally get distracted by this shiny thing here or this shiny thing there. It's so easy in e-commerce to be like, ooh, Amazon did this, now I'm going to do that. Well, probably not, probably not gonna be able to do that. Um, and so I think, I think sticking to our guns and Tim, who's our CEO, you know, he'll always say, our brand purpose is, is the guiding principle. Like if it ladders up to that, we do it. And if it doesn't, we don't. I've never had that before. I've never had such a clear brand purpose where I felt like it helped me prioritize to the degree that this does. And for that, I have, I think, just this leadership team to thank because it's 100% it's alignment. And when you have that, it's just, it's, it makes it so much easier to make all those decisions. Yeah, yeah it's really fun thinking about all the opportunities that surround that, you know, community stylist type program. I mean, what was going through my head was, okay, this could be a new funnel for talent at Express. I mean, these people are designing outfits that, you know, these local communities at least want and are following them or wherever they're at, maybe they're online. But I mean, you already have designers that could come into your stores, they could take over the store, they could get some good content of it, you know, design all your mannequins. And I mean, there seems like a lot of spaces. Yeah, co-creation opportunities, um, content creation. I mean, that's one of the, like, it was a real shot in the arm in terms of user-generated content because all of the content that these people are creating helps our customers shop. It helps them convert. It helps them feel confident. So everything about it, it sort of all ties back to that idea. And I think that's why it's right. And that's why it's going to work. Yeah. How do you think about kind of overseeing that program? Is it very kind of, you know, decentralized approach, go do whatever you think is best and we're not worrying about it? Um, and do they have these storefronts on their own or are they on a subdomain of express.com? Like I'm trying to think about like how to manage all these community stylists if you want to at all. It's a freestanding application. So it's not part of express.com per se, but it is all express product. Um, and so we don't have to worry so much about managing 
how they put together their storefronts. Um, it's been amazing. I would say you would think, oh, you want to be really careful about the content people are putting up because it's representing your brand. And what if it was not appropriate? What if like we we don't we don't want to take political stances with our community commerce program. We want to talk about fashion. We want to talk about creating confidence and inspiring self-expression. We want to talk about the clothes. You'd think it would take a certain amount of moderation. It hasn't been a huge effort because I That's think good. that goes back to the kind of people that want to be. Mm-hmm. I say that and then I'm like, the person that monitors and moderates our Facebook group is probably like, well, it's actually quite a lot of work. And she's like, this is my full-time job here. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's a lot of work, but I think it's been a tribute to how we've recruited and the and the, the quality of the applicants that these people want to talk about the brand and they want to talk about fashion. And we like to solve their problems too, if they have like a, how do you do this or how do you do that? But for the most part, we haven't had any issues with the kinds of content people are using because we brought people into our brand that love our brand and that, that I think really represent our brand well. Um, and it's been, it's been wonderful. It's been a very organically diverse set of people. It's been great for us because we are, we are a dual gender brand. And so we have been able to have representation um, for our men's business and for our women's business. We've been really pleased with the applicant pool and how they've represented. Yeah. Yeah. It also seems like there'd be a lot of trends that you could kind of watch these, you know, people dipping their toes in to spread the word about their storefronts. I mean, is there anything that you see that they're doing that you're like, oh, that's a good idea. Maybe it'd be live stream shopping or something they're doing on social or, I mean, like, I'm sure these people are probably at the forefront of being able to, you know, hopefully get the brand out there in new ways. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting. You mentioned live stream shopping because yes, they have, um, I, I would say Instagram reels and TikTok is probably their preferred way of getting our brand out there. But we also have been doing um, just about weekly, um, in some months, it's every other week, um, live stream shopping events as a brand as well. And so that's been a mix of influencers and style editors. And so now we've had a couple of style editors actually do their own live stream events. And that's been really cool to sort of bring them in. I think the coolest thing is going back to the idea of versatility of our assortment so more than how they, how they put our brand out there, it's how they put the outfits together, how they wear our clothes. Um, and it really gets across that idea of versatility to our customer and outfitting and how you can put things together differently in a way that we could never do on our own because you'd never be able to scale all that. Yeah. But with the style editor community out there, all doing things a little differently according to their own personal style, that goes back to that whole idea of inspiring self-expression. They're all doing it their own way. Um, and hopefully inspiring our customers to do the same. No way we could have ever done that on our own. There's no amount of photography budget that would have allowed for that. Um, and so that explosion of content, it's something I think we thought was going to be a benefit, but from my perspective, it might be the biggest benefit. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Super exciting to hear about. So to get to your $1 billion e-commerce goal by 2024, what's the next big step that you have to take or what big thing are you working on? Because I, from looking at your CEO, seeing how he thinks about things, you can tell he's very intentional where he's like, we're closing these three retail stores. And then we are increasing profitability by this and de- like everything is moving. So I'm sure you guys have some big goals to get there. What are you specifically focused on? We do. So um, I would say our e-commerce strategy is really built around what we like sort of two notions. Um, and they are the idea of knowing our customers and connecting our customers. You can sort of probably gauge from that, that two of the biggest things that we have are the idea of personalization and creating relevant experiences. That's knowing our customers. 
and loyalty, I would probably slot in there as well. And then the idea of connecting our customers, I think is what we've really been talking about. That's all about community. Uh, and so underneath that, the layers of our strategy are really, um, I would call them like the four pillars of our e-commerce strategy. Number one, personalization. Um, and we are in what I would call a foundational mode there. Um, we have moved from providing product recommendations through a third party to providing them through our own algorithm that we developed internally. Our decision science team is amazing. Um, and so they have provided us with what I would call smarter recommendations, but not yet personalized recommendations. Over the coming months, we're also going to use that same team and algorithms they've built to, to sort our category pages differently so that we tested this last year. We know that our current sorting algorithms are good, but not great, and we can do better. Again, that will be smarter, not necessarily personalized yet. But as we do that work, we're setting the foundation for 2023 and 2024 to move from more intelligent to actually personalized and relevant. Um, and so our vision is personalized product recommendations presented throughout your experience, personalized search results so that the results that I might get might be different from a colleague of mine based on what we know about our affinities, colors we like, silhouettes we like, et cetera. Um, that's going to that's gonna be a multi-year effort. And I'm sure every e-commerce person you've had on your show has talked about the, the concept of personalization. And I don't think any of us are doing it perfectly or even that well yet. Yeah. Unless you have all the data already, like the stitch fixes of the world or people who already yep. have all the data, then yes, they have the chance to explore in new ways and use technologies like GPT-3 and things that like most brands can't even experiment with yet because they don't have that data. But yeah, everyone else, I wouldn't say it's that personal. It's just giving maybe smart answers sometimes. Yeah. But even then it's like even stitch fix, not perfect yet. Yeah. And I think that we all want, want to get there. That's going to be a multi-year effort, um, but we're committed to that. And we do see that as the path forward to growth. Second huge component we talked about earlier was seamless omni-channel execution. Uh, and so we talked about mobile there, um, improving our buy online pickup and store experience. More than anything, it's just making it feel like one experience. You're not shopping express.com. You're not shopping an express store. You're just shopping at express. And then third, what we didn't cover as much is what we call styling and fit experiences. But that does go back to what we were talking about earlier. How can I make sure that when someone's shopping with us, they really can tell how something is going to fit? So it goes back to multiple model selection. It goes back to user-generated content. It goes back to styling and outfitting tools. The one thing we haven't delved into yet is a real fit tool on our pages where you can literally you know, go in and say, this is my body type, my height, my weight, my preferences. And then we'll spit out like, oh, you need a medium. Mm -hmm. That'd be nice. We are considering that, but we haven't pulled the trigger yet. That would be the one next step. Um, we think there's more we can do with simple things like ratings and reviews. We can make those work harder than we currently do to really tell customers what to buy in terms of size. So there is work to be done here still, um, but it's the third big component of our strategy. And then the fourth is community. And so at the end of the day, it's personalization, omni-channel experience, styling and fit, and community. And it's been that way since 2020. We lined that up, our strategy, during the pandemic. And I think the thing that makes me the happiest is components switch around and stuff. You would expect that to happen. We react to things that we see happening in the industry, like resale or like same-day delivery. Um, and we make pivots based on that. But the guts of the strategy has been the same since 2020, and I don't see that changing. Um, I, am, I think we are highly committed to these things because we believe they ladder up best 
to that brand purpose. Yep. Wow. Great recap to summarize our wonderful episode. Okay. Let's shift over to the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. This is where I ask a question and you have a minute or less to answer. Are you ready, Brian? Okay. Yes, let's do it. All right. If you could choose one book as mandatory reading for all commerce leaders, which book would you choose? It would be, and I don't remember the author, but the book is Don't Make Me Think, which is not a new book, but it, it is definitely that principle as it applies to user experience is something that we still talk about now mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, we want our e-commerce experience to be something you don't have to think about. Shopping should be fun and we want to try and make it that way. Oh, this one looks good. Don't Make Me Think, A Common Sense Approach to Web Usability by Steve Krug. That looks good. Okay, next one. What do you think is true, but it might actually just be good marketing? Ooh, (laughs) this could be controversial. The thing I think right now is more marketing than truth, I'm just going to say it, is retail applications for the metaverse. Okay. I mean, I think some people that I've talked to would agree with you on that same point. So controversial to some who are maybe in that world, but I like that. What do you not understand today, but wish you did? I, I will say I partially understand, but I really wish I understood blockchain better than I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. What's an activity that makes you lose track of time? Reading a really good book. Yep. What's a life lesson you learned the hard way? I would say letting your work take the place of what your real priorities should be uh, in terms of family and friends and fun. Um, I have fallen into that mm-hmm. that sort of hamster wheel uh, a few different times um, and lost balance. And and when you realize that later, it, that that's a tough one. When's the last time that you tried something new? The last time I tried something new, this is going to sound really crazy, but um, I always thought I hated cherries, <laughs> but I love bourbon. <laughs> And Uh especially I love Manhattans and they put those cherries in. And so I would always never eat the cherries because I thought I hated cherries from when I was a little kid. And then like three weeks ago, I started eating the cherries and it turns out I really like the cherries. Because they're soaked in whiskey. Or do you actually like the cherry? (laughs) I I think it's partially the whiskey. Yeah. But also they just taste good. Okay. I like that. Because to me, there's two different kinds of cherries. There's like the real cherries with the little stems on them that you can get. And then there's the Marcino or Mar- whatever you say, cherries that are in like an old fashioned that I'm like, ew, throw that thing away. <laughs> so you like that one. Those are the only ones I like. So you like the fake ones. That's what, you- okay. Yes, I mean, apparently. they yes. probably came from some kind of tree somewhere. They just always look a little suspicious how pink they are to me. Yeah. Well, Brian, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing all your wisdom and what you're up to at Express. Where can people learn more about you and follow along with your work? Check us out on express.com and uh, see if the new Express agrees with you. There you go. Thanks, Brian. Thank you uh, for having me. And uh, no, it was super fun. I really appreciate it. Hey, listeners. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.